This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's Jesse Temple. You can see us if you're watching on our YouTube. If you're not, please do. Uh, we're looking for subscribers up on our YouTube. It's The Camp Podcast. Um, we added about 200, Jesse. So we put we set a goal last week of getting to 1,000 by the time the season started. We're sitting just under 600. We'd appreciate you going and subscribing. Even if you don't watch on YouTube, just go and subscribe anyways. We'll take it. It's free of charge. It is. It doesn't cost you anything. We we don't. We will not cost you a single thing to listen to Wisconsin football on YouTube or on a podcast, but we do appreciate uh, all the support that we get. Uh, we are getting some additional support starting this week. It is from Home Field Apparel. If anybody knows about it whatsoever, they're uh, heavy. They're collegiately licensed, so they have they have all the uh, things that they need to do to make the best apparel uh, possible, college apparel. Some of the shirts that they have, Jesse, are just insane for Wisconsin. I, I'm kind of jealous that I can't wear them. Um, they have uh, just like, it's a bunch of throwback stuff, but go check it out. Uh, we uh, really appreciate them coming on as a, uh, as a partner. And uh, there's going to be a code that you can put in to get some uh, a percentage off. We're going to get that code here this week and we'll pass it along uh, when we get it. So we're really excited about them coming on board. They'll be with us uh, throughout the football season and into uh, basketball season on the swing as well. And also on Temple and Heilprin. If we haven't, uh, we didn't. We pushed it last week. We'll push it again. Coming up uh, this season, Jesse's going to be joining me out at Monks in Sun Prairie every Thursday from six to seven. Going to be talking Badgers. And the good thing about it is uh, we're going to be able to talk basketball and football. We, usually, we try and keep it separate because I think there's some people that want to talk about Wisconsin football that don't want to hear about basketball, and that's kind of what the camp. That's what the camp is for. The swing is kind of the same way, except it's basketball instead of football. Temple and Heilprin. We'll be able to uh, talk both and uh, really excited about that coming up. It's going to be the first Thursday before the Buffalo game. So what would that be? August 31st uh, with the Buffalo game coming on September 2nd. So uh, really excited about all of those things that are happening. I think I mentioned last week as well, our schedule this football season, we'll have episodes on Sunday night into Monday morning, Tuesday night into Wednesday. And then obviously our show on Thursday as well. The podcast for Thursday show may not go up until Friday, but uh, really excited about getting out there with you. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun time. I can't wait. This is such an exciting season and what a great way to, to uh, talk about it by doing it multiple times a week. There's no shortage. I always tell you this, that that's a great thing about covering a football season is you have no shortage of topics. There's no such thing as an off season this year. And uh, I don't think it, there's ever going to be an off season ever again. What? Like I think maybe July is the closest thing you get to an off season, but that's coming to a close very quickly here. The Badgers will be on the field on Wednesday morning for the first time. We're getting to get, see some football, um, probably just helmets, but we're going to get to see some football on Wednesday down at Platteville. Um, the, uh, the practice is, so we'll have, we're going to have our daily episodes starting on Wednesday throughout fall camp. We're going to start to get to see practice on Wednesday. We're going to see 10 practices, the five practices they do down in Platteville, the five practices, uh, up here in Madison, and they're going to close things, which I think is the last practice is August 10th. Is that sound? No, that doesn't sound right. It's a little bit further along, but it it's a well Saturday. It might be Saturday, August 12th, but it's uh, it, we're going to see a good chunk of practices and have a very good idea of where things are headed, and obviously be able to relay it to to you, the listener and the the watcher. Yeah, so we'll have that coming on uh, on Wednesday. Me and Jesse will be doing an episode on Wednesday, maybe a little bit later in the afternoon. Um, 
once we get back from from Platteville. That is that is the only hitch in uh, in this is the the trip down to Platteville and the trip back to, back from Platteville that could impact our timing in terms of getting uh, content out. But very excited about that because we're also going to be able to post highlights from camp, and uh, we'll be doing that immediately after practice. So you have a chance to check that out. And then me and Jesse will be back to talk about it later in the day. Um, before we get to Wednesday, however, we got to look back at Thursday last week, big 10 media days. I guess we could throw in Wednesday there too, with the Jim Leonard situation. Um, but let's talk about the current Badgers. Um, Braylon Allen, Mumajong Meta, and Tanner Mordecai were Wisconsin's representatives down in Indianapolis. And it was, um, I don't know that I, I learned a ton. However, uh, talking to Tanner Mordecai down there, it, it felt like he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I know we talked about that in the spring with him, but it feels like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He, I, I asked him, and he kind of threw the team mantra at me, which is, if I if we win, I'm going to be just fine. But he's got a little bit to prove here because the, the NFL scouts, he was ready to go to the pros. And the NFL scouts are like, I don't know if you're ready. Go back, go back and take a six-year, and that's exactly what he did, and he has an opportunity to, to prove them wrong now. Tanner has done enough interviews in his career that he knows what he wants to share and what he doesn't want to share. And I, I think I, I gathered this from talking to him Thursday as well. I, I tried to press a little bit on what, what do you feel like you need to prove? Because obviously in the spring, when he was talking to a group of reporters, he said that he wasn't, I think his quote was uh, he wasn't super fired up about the feedback he received from NFL personnel. Cause as you said, that was the plan was to go to the NFL draft. Um, but in terms of what he needs to work on, I think a lot of it is, and this is why he's at Wisconsin, a lot of it is proving that you can do it in a big conference on a bigger stage against really talented defenses, that you can be consistent. Um, and I think that you can kind of show as the face of this air raid transition, you can have success right away. And you can look at what he did, and the numbers are spectacular, obviously, in two years at SMU. But if you just look at last season, in the games that SMU won, he threw 23 touchdown passes and one interception. One of those games was a nine touchdown performance against Houston. But in the games that they lost, I believe it was 10 touchdowns and nine interceptions. So you're not going to play as well in games you lose clearly, but the games that they lost were against some of those big time opponents. They played Luke Fickle Cincinnati team. Uh, they played Maryland, which is a big 10 team. They played TCU, which was a national runner up. So I think, yes, he, he definitely has a chip on his shoulder. And one thing that I think I noticed from talking to him is the confidence that he has in what he believes he is capable of doing this season. And I think that goes a long way. If you're going to make a transition like this, you need people who believe it's going to be successful right away. And you absolutely have that with Tanner Mordecai and Phil Longo, which are the two people that you can start with in this process. It's. Imp I think he does have a chip on his shoulder and I think he does want to prove people wrong. And he did a good job of kind of hiding that a little bit, but I think there's a little bit of fire there and, and um, annoyance maybe with with some of what was talked about about him as a quarterback. So we'll get to see if that's the case. And uh, I know a lot of Badger fans, the only experience they have for him is or experience with him is the spring game, which wasn't his greatest performance. Um, I think that's safe to say about the entire offense. But again, the, the 14 practices, other practices that we saw, there was uh, a lot more good than bad in those practices. And we'll get to see again what it looks like this this fall. But I'm uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that it's going to be a significant upgrade from last year. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think Badgers fans listening to that probably think like, well, that's not going to take that much. But, and but, <laughs> but here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. 
go look at the games. You mentioned Tanner Mordecai playing well against bad teams. Grant Mertz did the same exact thing. And then yes. when he came up against good teams, it didn't look great. So, I mean, it, it's there, there, there are similarities there, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that it's going to look better against the better teams that they play. Yeah. I think this offense is set up to obviously be more explosive, but to give yourself a better opportunity to win those types of games. Clearly. How many times have we talked about since the end of last season, the offense being stale and predictable and the eight and nine man boxes that Wisconsin faced. And I know this is kind of that talking season, which thank God we're coming to a close of that and having some real football to discuss, but everything that we've seen so far leads me to believe that it's going to be more dynamic and explosive and give Wisconsin an opportunity to take that next step. Now, will it happen right away? That's really hard to say. I think there is a transition here and it's going to take beyond these 15 spring practices and even into fall camp. But I mean, I do go back to something that Phil Longo said in his first season at Sam Houston when they he Willie Fritz, the previous coach, ran the triple option offense. And he said, we couldn't have done anything more differently. And that team was just as good as if not better the next year made the, the final four in the FCS. So it is possible to have success right away. But Wisconsin has to go out and prove it. And we won't really know until the season actually starts and they're playing some quality competition. Right. And again, that to me, that could be week two. Up yeah. in up in Pullman against Washington State, a team they lost to last year. They had an opportunity to win. They, I mean, they had an opportunity to to win that game and just couldn't get it done. I don't know how. I mean, again, Washington State. I think was picked to finish seventh in the Pac. Uh, what do we call it these days? Are we still call it the Pac twelve. It's I think it's still the Pac twelve, even though Colorado's leaving and half USC's the league is leaving. And UCLA. I mean, it, it's the Pac nine right now. Uh, but we'll call it the Pac twelve for this year. Um, so uh, that could come right away because I thought defensively for Washington state, they got all over the offensive line with some of the quickness that they had. And it proved to be a, a tough game for Graham Mertz. He wasn't the one that lost that game. I thought he stood in there and played well enough, but that's going to be a test. That's going to be a test. Um, the other, the, among the other guys down there, Braylon Allen. I think the big question for a lot of people is what does his season look like and how good does it have to be for him to be able to make the jump to the next level? And I think that was kind of, that was a question I asked him and he, he threw, uh, if we win, we'll be fine, which again, you know, that's, that's fine. But uh, I know Luke Fickle said something different on, on kind of what he expects out of him. Luke gave a fascinating answer when he was at the desk with the big 10 network guys. And he, he talked about how to him, a successful season for Braylon would be 18 carries and about 140 yards rushing. And he talked about the fact that, yeah, this guy could carry 30 times. He's 245 pounds. But that wears you down. And he said, we have to recognize and Braylon has to recognize that in order to be your best version at the end of the season, you might have to scale back a little bit. And I thought that was a really interesting response. And I had a chance to talk to Braylon about this as well, because he's in the position that Melvin Gordon and Jonathan Taylor were in where they knew coming into the season as a, a junior, redshirt junior, that this was going to be their last year. But those guys were the bell cows in a way that I don't think Braylon is going to be this season, not because Braylon isn't capable of it, but because that is not what is best for the team. And I wrote about this on Monday in The Athletic, but look at what Melvin did in 2014. Obviously, as we've talked about, one of the greatest individual seasons we have ever seen, may ever see again. Um, but he averaged 24.5 carries per game. And in Jonathan's last season, he averaged 22.9 carries per game. Both those guys, 2,000-plus yard rushers, won the Doak Walker Award, 
Um, and they carried more than all but one other player in the FBS that season. Braylon sees that and views that as the blueprint for what he can do. It's right there in front of him, but there's no way that he's going to carry 20 plus times a game this season. Not in this offense, not with the number of weapons you have offensively and not with Ches Malusi. And I think the 2020 season that Phil Longo had at North Carolina is a good example where he had 2000 yard rushers. One of them carried the ball 157 times. The other guy carried the ball 156 times. So to me, it's not about the volume for Braylon. It's about what he does with his opportunities. And in particular, pass protection and pass catching. Because those are the two areas that show that you're an all-around running back. And none of the running backs were very good if you look at the pro football focus numbers last season at pass protection. But that wasn't a skill set that I think was – they weren't going to throw the ball as much as they are going to throw it this season. So it's much more important this year. And I do think it is a fascinating discussion to have about Braylon and what success looks like for him in his junior season. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Him staying healthy is is number one on the list, right? If he's able to stay healthy and and, again, the carries will certainly play a part in that. If he doesn't have to be the bell cow, if Ches, if Ches Malusi does stay healthy and he can be there to be the, the one to punch for him, to me, that that is the biggest key. That's the biggest key for both of them, being honest with you, is if they can stay healthy because neither one has been able to do it these last two years. So um, we'll see how uh, that plays out. A couple more things with Braylon. He's a uniform guy. He loves uniforms. He's a, He told me that he was the one – that would decide. I mean, we, there was apparently a uniform committee last year, but it sounds like it was just Braylon. Uh, he had a Excel spreadsheet of all the different combinations that you could potentially have. And he would go through and check them off. Um, so he, uh, so I asked him, you know, like, is there something else coming this year? And he goes, as of now, right now, for me personally, I don't know that. I don't, I, I have not heard anything. So anybody expecting these, these great alter, alter, alternates, I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm just saying we need to maybe tamp down the expectations for what exactly maybe the uniforms will look like. I'm not sure we're going to see too much difference from last year. The other aspect of it was people wanting you uh, two not playing when they come out of the out of the tunnel, right? So I, I asked I asked him about that. I'm like, is there a new pregame coming? And he said, yes, but I think he was just talking about like how pregame warmups would look because that, he goes, I have no idea what you're talking about with with you two. I'm like, that makes sense. Because you guys, when you guys run on the when you guys run on the tunnel, it's on Wisconsin. So uh, I, I do expect changes there, but uniform wise, I'm not I'm not sure we're gonna gonna see anything there. Um, and then there's also this big hope this this big thing about running backs and getting paid. You know, we see with Jonathan Taylor requesting a trade, the value of running backs is way down. And so talk to Braylon about that as well. And he. Um, whether he would change different positions because he know he had the opportunity coming in here to be a safety, well, a very big safety or more likely an inside linebacker and, or maybe an edge player. I don't know, but he said he wouldn't change. He said he loves the position of running back and he doesn't think there's that big of a money, uh, monetary difference between running back safety and inside linebacker. I went and looked, I mean, Running backs are barely making more than the average punter. The average running backs barely making more than the average punter. But I think there's that's just because there's a lot of more running backs um, than there are punters in the league. But he said he wouldn't change. He loves the position, um, and uh, that's just what it is. I mean, he's he's made some nice money off of NIL being running back at Wisconsin that I don't know would necessarily have been there if he was playing safety or linebacker. Well, the other thing is he's put in two seasons now and is about to put in a third full year at the right. position, putting him in a spot to be an NFL player. So the idea that you would just transition to a new position, it, it seems far-fetched to me. 
yeah, I wasn't saying he was going to transition. I said if he was going to choose a different position coming uh, into Madison, if he, was go- if he had like had to do it over again, would he change? And he said no. Because there's, well, there's I don't blame him. Right. But there's like this whole big thing like, oh, all these great players are going to stop playing running back because they're not going to get paid in the NFL. And I just don't buy that whatsoever. You, you're in high school. Where's your best player playing? It's either quarterback or it's running back. Like usually, usually your best athletes are, are paying, playing those two positions. Melvin Gordon coming out and saying he'd rather play cornerback. Melvin Gordon was, he's a fantastic player. I, I think it would have been a bit of a stretch for him to play cornerback. Um, but again, I don't know that. I, I'm, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. He's he's that good of an athlete. Maybe he could have, but I don't think it's going to change. I think players are going to still be playing the positions that uh, in high school make them best. Now, maybe that switches in college. Maybe they end up wide receiver. Maybe they end up at DB, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, yeah, so we got fall camp coming up. Before, before we get there, uh, Jim Leonard. He's going to be down at Illinois this this fall. Well, four days out of the week, he's going to be at Illinois. Uh, he has signed on as a, as a defensive analyst, or I should say a senior analyst for Brett Bielma and Illinois. It's, it's the uh, Illinois Badgers down there for sure. Uh, a ton of players down there that uh, – former players, I should say, and obviously Brett Bielma being a coach. Uh, this happened right when we got done – not right when we got done, but somewhat close to when we got done recording on Tuesday, which is just par for the course for us. Uh, the big news breaks as soon as we're done recording, but just your initial take on it. Well, I think it's a good situation for both sides. It's a better situation for Illinois because to have a, I mean, name me a coach in that position. That's more overqualified than Jim Leonard, right? A guy who's going to come in and be able to help Illinois. Aaron Henry is a first year defensive coordinator, former Badger, uh, has been an assistant uh, with Bielma at Illinois the last couple of years. So Jim, having all that experience, can help in that capacity. He can scout. He can do a bunch of things where he can tell the offensive coaches, this is what a defense thinks. So from the Illinois side of things, it's brilliant, right? From Jim's side of things, it's a question that we won't get an answer to because Jim is not talking. He certainly doesn't have to, and he's not going to. Um, I think I reached out to him right before the the Illinois news just to see if he'd be willing to talk about his time at Wisconsin and haven't heard back and certainly don't expect to, but I think it's an opportunity for him to stay in the game. And it, it, I think can give him a chance to maybe even learn from a new set of coaches, but you don't make a decision like this unless you have an aim to get back into it. And to me, this is a stopgap year where he doesn't need to take a job right away. Obviously, he's got the money coming from Wisconsin, but he's got the young family in the Madison area. He doesn't have to move down to Champaign, so he can work on football four days a week. He can still spend the weekend back up here, be with his family, and field opportunities. Because I think none, none of us believe he's going to be uh, – I mean, it, whatever he wants to be, he's going to be, whether it's a head coach, the college level, a defensive coordinator somewhere, or somewhere in the NFL. So to me, this is just – a chance to stay in the game, to learn with a different group of coaches. And um, that's how I view it. But we'll never fully know what what Jim's thought process on this is. What's the ridiculous saying? If you're not growing, you're dying. That was essentially that was essentially what Luke Fickle said when I asked him about it. He goes, good for him. He wants to be in football. And being out of it for a year is not going to help him. It's not going to help him grow. It's not going to make him better. Um, and whether it's going to be a, a defensive coordinator or a head coach, being in this spot is is going to help him grow and you know he doesn't think 
Jim Leonard has any uh, ill will towards Wisconsin, and I, I agree towards Wisconsin. Individuals at Wisconsin might be a little bit different, but at Wisconsin, so I don't think like this was made. That's why a lot of people come out and say this is made to, to stick it to Wisconsin. I don't, I don't necessarily think that is. I think it's a situation that's very, very close to home. You don't have to move, as you said, and you're around a bunch of people that you already know, right? I mean, he, he coached, he was, he's been around Aaron Henry. He's been around Antonio Finellas. He's been around Terrence Jamison. He's been around obviously Brett Bielma, Andy Boo as well. Like, I mean, these, these guys, it's not like Jim was in the NFL and just never came back to Wisconsin. Like he, he knows these guys. Um, there's a, obviously a ton of Wisconsin staffers there as well, former uh, Wisconsin staffers there that are not necessarily coaches. So I think it's it's a great spot for him, and it, it does. It keeps him in the – I think it keeps him in the consciousness of college football and being like, hey, this guy's here. Um, so um, it's a good move for Jim. It's an amazing move for for Illinois. For Illinois. There's no doubt about that in, in, uh, in my opinion. But uh, Luke Fickle said – we love them. We're just going to have to dislike them for one year out of the day, one uh, day out of the year. So. Except that he won't even be there for that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, so, all right. Uh, fall camp gets going on Wednesday. Some news coming out of Luke Fickle's press conferences, uh, time with the media that is uh, namely injury wise. Uh, he's going to have most of his roster available to him. A couple of guys are going to be limited, or I should say a number of guys are going to be limited. A couple of those that stand out, at least that he mentioned, Jake Renfro, the projected starting center, and uh, wide receiver Chris Brooks Jr., who broke his leg in, in the spring, could be limited early on in camp, but I don't know that either of those injuries is going to keep them from being able to, to start the season. Obviously, a little bit more important for Drake, Jake Renfro, considering um, some of the struggles that, that were involved in snapping the ball in the spring, but I expect, I expect that to be taken care of. Like I expect significant improvements. Um, you, you have to know that like Tanner Bordellini and all those other guys, that all they've been doing for the last two months is snapping, snapping balls. Right. I mean like that, it, it seems such a simple thing to do. And I, um, and I know it's not, but I have to imagine like the practice was significant here these last couple of months since, uh, since the spring, Another guy that, that won't be practicing, and who knows we'll ever get to see him ever on the field ever again, and that's Aaron Witt. And he, his le the legend of Aaron Witt is so much bigger than his – so much bigger than what we've seen from him, the legend of Aaron Witt, like what he could be. Um, he hasn't played since the 2020 Mayo, uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl. Showed, showed out in that game. Well, he hasn't been on the field since. And so it's a, it's a real tough situation. He's still rehabbing his foot injury. And Luke Fickle said he's, he's like, he's got one chance, I think is what he said, to be out there, and they don't want to rush it. Um, so to get hurt, get hurt again might be it. Yeah, obviously tough news for Aaron. He's been battling through this for years and years, and I don't know whether we're going to see him on the field again either, but you have to give him credit for sticking with it this long to miss 2021, 2022, and – We'll see what happens in 2023. I mean, the biggest of the three in terms of impact on the field is Renfro. Um, and I think when you were talking to Luke, one of the things he said was his big questions was not whether he's got enough quality offensive linemen, but what do you do with those offensive linemen? Who's your number five, six, seven? And I'm interested to see what happens with that as well. Obviously, without Renfro, it, 
it changes the complexion of the line because Tanner Bordellini goes from guard to center. By the end of spring ball, Joe Huber had moved up to year one uh, at guard when he was a backup. And maybe that moves some other guys around or moves them up. But obviously, if, if Renfro is able to be out there, it's uh, significant for Wisconsin, given that he was a first team all AAC guy in 2021 when Cincinnati went to the college football playoffs. So, um, I mean, fortunately, we have an opportunity to see what this all looks like this week. But that is certainly one of the position groups to watch. It is. Uh, you mentioned what Lou Fickle said when I asked him, what are the biggest questions for him going into camp? Offensive line, cornerback which I wanted to bring up because they're still trying to get uh, more uh, guys in for this team, right? Um, Michael Mack, cornerback out of, out of Air Force, is a guy who Wisconsin feels, feels good about, feels, feels real good about, um, waiting on some things to happen there. But uh, in terms of the other cornerbacks, he, he mentioned, he, mentioned uh, Niz, or, uh, he did, and so did Mumajang Mehta, Nazir uh, Forkarin. Forkerin, that's Forkering. it, right? Forkerin, Forkering. boom. All right, boom. Um, I think that is very uh, interesting that multiple people mentioned him. Um, we, I know he's a physical guy. He's got the size and everything like that. He's got the experience. Um, and I know he told you he expects to be number three, or they told him he, he was going to be number three when he came in here, you know, behind Ricardo Hallman and, and Alex Smith. Do you feel good about that? I mean, yeah. we haven't seen him yet, but I mean, multiple I people feel very good it. about it. I mean, this no, no, guy not, about, not, not about him to be number three. Just do you feel good about him as a player? Oh, yeah, I, I certainly do. Look, he was a division two All-American and you, you could I don't know who would, but you can poo poo the fact that it's a, it's D2 and this is not FBS and he hasn't been going against Ohio State, but not very many All-Americans out there at any level. And if you can get somebody of that caliber who's got playing experience, who can come in right away, uh, I, I think he's going to be an impact player and I don't know what it's going to look like obviously but his understanding was that he would at the very least be a part of the rotation with Hallman and Smith and that makes a lot of sense because by the end of spring ball what Wisconsin had was two very talented backups but two guys who were true freshmen early enrollees who had never played in a game so experience is something that you just can't replicate no matter how many practice opportunities you get and so I absolutely expect Forkering to be a big part of this puzzle um, and we will see what happens with Michael Mack, but obviously Wisconsin has been intent on continuing to try to bulk up at uh, the cornerback position. And uh, that was one out of spring that you would have said may have been the biggest question of all is, well, what are the Badgers going to do? Because you had three guys that at one point were on the roster and transferred out, entered the portal, and you, you needed to bulk up. And, and they've done it in a really positive way, I think, by getting guys who have played. Definitely. The other spot that he mentioned was defensive line. And I, I, again, I don't think it's the front line that he's worried about. You know, I think he probably feels good about the front line, though, nose tackle and and how much uh, I think that is just a little bit of a concern and trying to find exactly what you want there. Um, but depth wise, you know, he, he said like eight guys could play up there. I, I mean, I don't know if that's that seems like a lot <laughs> to, to be able to to have that many. But um, I think, yeah, depth. I think it's certainly uh, an issue at all at defensive line, just because you don't have experience, a ton of experience depth. But I think the one guy that could make a huge impact on this is, is Darian Barner a guy. We did not see in the spring, a guy who played a ton at temple last year has clearly put on some weight, um, put, I should say, put back on some weight that he took off to, to have his really good year at temple. And he's, he's one of those um, uh, guys that you get to see in the spring, but now I think people are expecting a lot from 
I think he's going to be one of the keys to all of this, especially up front for Wisconsin. And Luke was asked about Darian back in the spring and said that he felt like he brought something different to that group, more explosiveness, a, a lot of different qualities. The top group, very talented. I had guys who have played, right? Isaiah Mullins, Rodas Johnson, James Thompson Jr., Gio Piaz doesn't have as much experience as those other guys, but is a veteran would plug into the nose guard role, but you get a guy like Varner and it's not exactly like the Fort Curian situation, but I think one of the things that Wisconsin did a really good job of in adding transfers, whether it was before spring practice or in this window that came after spring practice, they found players that not only had experience, but had success at the college level. And I just, I think that translates no matter where you were, whether you were in the AAC or whether you were in division two, Varner was the guy who, before he missed the last two games last season at Temple because of his injury, was dominant. I think it was, what was it, like 12 and a half tackles for a loss, seven and a half sacks. Um, another first-team all-conference player, tremendously talented. And so when healthy, I think he has the potential to be an impact player at Wisconsin and uh, one of those X factors that can really help to transform this defense. So Wisconsin will be on the field for the first time on Wednesday at uh, in the morning. And we'll have an opportunity to chat later in the day about that. Um, other big questions for you going in. Well, they have I a punt you, now. <laughs> I assume you have. I assume you have a story coming with uh, biggest questions entering fall camp. I do. Uh, nice segue there, Zach. Um, I mean, I haven't written it yet, so I haven't fully thought about it. But I, there are obviously certain positions that I'm interested in, and um, I don't know if I'd put punter number one. But look, that was the other big question. If we were talking about cornerback, it was wow, the punting situation on the very last spring practice was not good at all. And obviously they got Atticus Bertram's uh, Australian punter to come in here and potentially make an immediate impact. Um, I just want to see how certain positions are solidified um, and, and defensively with a little more time, how good can this group be? I know uh, one of the, th the, the only guy we haven't really talked about from Big Ten Media Days that represented Wisconsin was Muma Jong Mehta. And he feels like uh, he had a lot of questions answered about what this defense is capable of because initially he wasn't all that, I think enthused about changing things up and he had questions about, well, is this defense, how are we going to be able to stop the run? How are we going to be able to do all these things? But he saw in spring how much better they were in that dollar defense. So to me, it's just the progress of a lot of what we saw in the spring. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Tight end. I think it's another big uh, one to watch. What, what exactly does Clay Cundiff look like and what does the rest of that position look like? We, we saw some guys not separate themselves, but, uh, show some progress uh, Jack Pugh and even a Riley Nowakowski like and obviously get Jack Eschenbach back as well um, but what does in Hayden Rucci like there's just a number of guys at that spot that I'm interested to see exactly what it looks like um, and then also wide receiver Rice and Green where are you at uh, let's let's see what you got because we didn't get to see you in the spring either so that that for me there's there's so many different spots you could point to and individual players that we didn't necessarily get to see in the spring now we get to see them in fall camp coming up uh, starting on Wednesday. And again, we'll be back after that. Before we uh, get out of here, though, Jesse, it's a big it's a big weekend recruiting for them as well. They had a, they had a bunch of guys in um, for a recruiting weekend, and I know they did like the Great Madison race. I have no idea what was all involved in that, but I did see um, some bag races, as in guys like, uh, you know, like three-legged races where you put your leg in a bag and you have somebody next to you. That's not what this was, but um, they had bags and feet jumping around. It was it was crazy. It was um, I heard there was some controversy as well about who won and who didn't. Michael Reske, uh, the tackle out of Watoma, 
was there and apparently wasn't happy with the final uh, thing, but had a good time. Some of the guys that were there, though, that uh, that were huge for them or are going to be huge for them in 2025. Yeah, I mean, this is something a, a little bit new, I think, something this staff is clearly putting together, making this a constant priority with recruiting, but they called it Bucky's Barbecue. And I know there are other programs that do something similar. To me, it's it's about making sure that these guys remain on your radar and I think it was 11 guys in the 2025 class. And then they also had Dylan Johnson up, who was the one guy who's committed in 2024 that didn't take an official visit, which we talked about before the, the flip from Northwestern, but it's, and I've said this before, it's the quality of player that they're bringing in too. six of them were rated as four-star players. Um, but you've got a lot of in-state guys. You mentioned Resky Cooper Catalano is another in-state kid, Trey Poteet, Hank Poteet's son, uh, a, the top player in the state as well. These are guys who were on campus over the weekend. Uh, and it's just an opportunity to showcase your program, to have a little bit of fun, obviously doing the, the golf carts and all these races. Um, but I mean, this is really, I think a new era for Wisconsin in a number of different ways, but with recruiting as well, we've seen what they did in 2024 and they are building the foundation for 2025 because right now it's Landon Locke, Braden's younger brother, that's committed and nobody else. And so the guys who were up here over the weekend could be a big part of the class and, and what you see on the field years down the line. It'll be interesting to see again, how this 2025 class plays out. We don't um, 2024 was, or is, I should say going to be Luke Fickle's first class, but it, I think the 2025 class is, is maybe even a more fair judge of, of what they are as recruiters, because you have a full opportunity to get involved. You're not, uh, 2024 guys you're you were getting involved a lot earlier than when they got here right you're not you wouldn't just be contacting 2024 guys back in in november so um, it's i think the 2025 class will give us a better feel for exactly what they want to be and who they want to be as uh, as a team so we'll see i'm i'm interested to see how it plays out just like i am interested to see how it plays out on wednesday when wisconsin takes the field for the first practice of fall camp me and jesse will be back later in the day breaking it down but make sure to check out the YouTube page will have, uh, I shouldn't say, we'll have media day stuff from tomorrow. Badger's going to hold their local media day. Uh, we'll have that stuff up on the YouTube page and also practice highlights from uh, day one down in Platteville as well. So make sure to check both of those out. Uh, Jesse, we're almost ready. It's almost football time. Can't wait. Let's do it. All right. There he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Until next time, you've been listening to The Camp.